Good morning, Hope Church. Man, it's so good to be together again in person, safely distanced apart, but together. That's good. Welcome to all of you who are with us online. And you know, as we approach our kind of one-year mark here in Salt Lake in July, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for all the awesome, fun things to do outside, for the weather that's been just glorious these last few weeks. So I'm thankful uh, for friends and people and families that we've met here that we're living life together with. I'm thankful that here in Utah, when we greet each other, we shake hands instead of a kiss on the cheek, because that's what we used to do. And I just prefer a handshake, to be honest. Let's, let's be real. Uh, I'm thankful to be at Hope Church and just to be ministering together with you guys and living life here, living out our faith as believers in Utah like we used to do overseas. It's good to be with you. You know, I have vivid memories uh, as a child of being in my grandpa's garden, helping him uh, grow his tomatoes. The smell that you get when you touch a tomato plant still like teleports me back uh, to his garden. And as, as like, amazing as it is to think about a whole big tomato plant could just grow from one little seed, it sprouts, grows, makes this big plant, grows all this uh, fruit or vegetable, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's amazing. And the passage that we're going to talk about today is about sowing seed. And as amazing as plants are, it's even more amazing that we can do that with the gospel. So this morning we will be in Mark chapter 4. You go ahead and turn there. The story is verses 1 through 20. We are not going to read all that in order. We're going to kind of jump through it a little bit. So open up your Bibles, tap your way there. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, we'd love to give you one today. If you want to go get it now and come back, that's fine with me. They'll be on the screen. But Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 8 is what I'll read first. And to kind of set the context, Jesus was teaching, and so many people gathered around him to hear him that he had to get into a boat, row a little bit off the shore, and then speak so that more people could hear his voice. And so we pick up there in Mark chapter 4, verse 3, and God's word says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. So we hear this story of Jesus' teaching, this parable that he gives. It's easily understandable, and we can relate to it. We all know a little bit about gardening. But if you just read that and you heard me read it and you read it on the screen, you're starting to get maybe a little bit uneasy. Like, hey, that passage was about uh, sharing the faith and David talked about making disciples. If you're starting to get a little bit uneasy and if you're thinking, hey, that guy's going to tell me that I need to start telling people about the gospel. And if you're like, red lights flashing, hold on, like faith is personal, I'll talk about sports, I'll talk about weather, I'll talk about hiking, whatever, but He's going to tell me that I'm going to need to start doing this. And if that's what you're thinking, you are absolutely right. Okay? I am going to tell you, but not from my opinion, but from God's word, that it is necessary and that as believers we must share the gospel. That we must be actively engaged in evangelism. And is it 
hard sometimes? Yeah. Is it awkward sometimes? Well, sure. But is it life-giving and is it totally worth it? 100%. This passage will teach us today that when you do this, when you share your faith, you'll get four responses. Okay, so if there's any fear of the unknown about what's going to happen when you share, I'm taking the unknown away. So there's no more fear of the unknown because there's going to be four responses based on, uh, based on Mark chapter 4. So I want us, I want to encourage us to go out and share and see what kind of responses you get. And just know that if you share, when you share your faith and someone rejects it and rejects your message. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And if you share the gospel and someone accepts that message, they're not accepting you as wonderful as you may be. They're accepting the free gift of salvation, accepting Jesus. And as we then begin to work through the rest of this story, I'm going to skip down a little bit and we'll really pick up in verse 14. And so what happened was Jesus told this story, and then there were some people who didn't understand it. Uh, I think I can relate to them. And so he gives them an explanation. And then the rest of this passage is Jesus explaining the story. But the first thing that Jesus tells them in his explanation is in verse 14 is, The sower sows the word. Hey, we talk a lot at Hope Church about growing in your faith. And one way to do that is to memorize God's word. You guys are a room full of really smart people. Five words. We're going to do this one. The sower sows the word. Okay? You can do it. You just got another verse in your heart there to tuck away. The sower sows the word. That's important. It's the first thing that Jesus tells them when he's explaining what's going on is that we must share the word. And so we can ask some questions like, well, who is God's word? Well, the people are hearing God's word speak. God's, Jesus is God's word. They were talking to God's word and hearing God's word in person. And we can still hear it today. And so we can ask questions about who that is. And John will tell us in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. So God's word is eternal. And we can ask, well, what is God's Word? Well, Hebrews 4 tells us that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word is powerful. So why should we share it? Well, we should share it because this is how God chose to reveal Himself to people so that we can be saved. Romans chapter 10 there's a whole slew of verses that are much longer than five words. You, I would, they would be great to memorize. I'm not going to attempt that with you this morning. Romans 10, chapter 8. This is a verse we shared often where we used to live. So how does a person believe? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. A couple verses later, he continues, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then if you start asking, well, how does that happen? What do I do? How does, how does this happen for thousands of years? In verse 14, Paul says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And in verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So people must hear the gospel to believe it. The Bible app that we use here at Hope Church, and that maybe many of you are on this morning, called Version. it's awesome. If you were to open it up and look at the very top of the screen, it would show you that the Bible is available in 1,420 languages on that app. A 2017 study done by the U showed that in Salt Lake County, there were about 60,000 refugees who had been resettled here in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake County, I guess, actually. Some of those countries were Somalia, Burma, Syria, Democratic Republic of Congo. Welcome, friends. Iraq, Vietnam, former Soviet uh, countries. I've met people here from Morocco, Egypt, Tunisia. Sorry. Country of Armenia, Russia, Lebanon, India. Every single one of those has a translation on the YouVersion Bible app. If you meet someone from a different country or different language or you eat their delicious food at their restaurants and you begin talking and form a friendship, help them download the Bible app. It's easy. It's free. Everybody likes free apps. So we can do that. This gospel that Jesus died to forgive us of our sins, that he then rose from the dead and conquered death, it's for all people. It's for all people. This word, though, must be proclaimed. In all four examples here in Mark chapter 4, if you looked at verse 15 and verse 16 and verse 18 and 20, you would see that they heard the word. This proclamation of God's word is not just for professionals, it's not just for pastors, it's not based on your location or vocation, but it's for everyone. And it's a matter of obedience. And it's a must for the follower of Christ. And I mentioned earlier that sometimes it's hard, and that's true, it is sometimes hard. Because you're lovingly, and I want to really, really emphasize lovingly, just lovingly tell someone that there's only one way to be fully known and fully loved by God, and it's through the gospel. And that might really really conflict with tradition or culture or history, but it is the way and the only way. There's salvation only by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and we're thankful for that. And I would present to you, to our church this morning, that it's safe to say that most people that we interact with on a daily basis outside of our home, students, coworkers, classmates, friends, most people probably have not heard a clear presentation of the gospel for enough for them to understand what it fully means to be known and loved by God. That was very true where we used to live, and I think it's just as true here. But the responsibility that we're given is to share. It's not to save. You can't save anyone, so release yourself of that, but you can share. So we go out and we sow the seed and we wait for God to work. So when we do this and when we share the gospel, we talked about those four responses. And so now let's look at what Jesus teaches about them. So if we jump down into verse 15 where he's explaining, what's, uh, explaining his story, he, will, he says, verse 15, And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. We are engaged in 
an intense spiritual battle. Every single day, every moment of every day, there is a war waging around us. And it's easy to hide from it. It's easy to not acknowledge it, but it's happening. Paul tells us in Ephesians that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. And this happens all around us, and this battle is happening all over the world. And where we used to live, it was a reminder five times a day, every single day, that there is this battle waging for the souls of men. And so at sunrise every single day, at midday, at mid-afternoon, at sunset, and then just uh, at dark, the call to prayer would go out from the loudspeakers in the mosque all over the country. And you'd hear it, and it happened on Christmas and Easter and New Year's and Christmas and Thanksgiving. Every single day it happened, and it was just an audio reminder of what's happening. That prayer for Muslims is a requirement along with uh, four other things, what it means to be a Muslim. You know, we may not be hearing the call to prayer going out of loudspeakers here, um, but there's this battle happening. You know, the, the largest mosque in Utah is currently under construction right now, and it's not far from here. I-15 south, I-15 just a little bit west at 9,000 south is the largest mosque in Utah currently being built. But there are people all around us who do not know and follow Christ. And maybe this type of seed that gets snatched away is someone that you know, uh, or maybe you're even feeling like a little hard-hearted this morning. Like, talking about religion, coming to church is hard. Maybe you've been hurt or been burnt by religion. And it's hard to talk about it and, and think about it. And I, I would say that that's because religion is hard. Religion is demanding. But the gospel's for all, and the gospel gives us rest. If we talk about the gospel versus religion card, we want you to take those and hand them out. We want you to take the New Hope Church album that has the gospel versus religion cards in it. Give it to your friends. Do the John challenge. But that card is, is vital to our work here. And have you ever been sharing your faith and felt like Satan was just there? I think back one time, I uh, exchanged phone numbers with a taxi driver. We followed up with him. We went and met, took a friend with me, because it's always better to go with a, a friend, especially one who speaks much better Arabic than you do. Uh, we go out and meet, and I think we're going to a coffee shop, but... Uh, we end up going, and the guy parks his car. We're following him, and he parks in front of his mosque. I'm like, well, okay, this will be interesting. So take our shoes off, go inside. We meet up in, like, the upper room. The pastor Ben's and David's and Josh's came in. There's a group of ten or something, and just me and my buddy. And, like, we have an opportunity. And so we, we start to share, and they respond, and we respond. And we have this conversation for about an hour. And right in the middle of it, one of the guys gets up and goes over and grabs the microphone with all of his might because it's the last prayer of the day. The room empties out. The guys go and pray. All the men from the neighborhood come down to the mosque to pray. And we're just sitting there like, oh, boy. Like we, we're just praying. Like, God, give us wisdom. God, give us the words to speak. So they come back up. My friend gives just this beautiful presentation of the gospel. Like, you can see the light going out into this dark room and, like, I, I think Satan was just taking it. Like, it was, it was heavy, it was weird, we left full of all these emotions. And then I remember reading this passage one day thinking, that was the time. Like, that's what happened. Satan took those words that we were speaking, and they didn't land uh, in their hearts. 
The second type of soil or second type of response that Jesus teaches us is in verse 16 and 17. And he says there, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. There is a guy we met, we'll just say Hank because it's easy to remember. Uh, he wanted to know more about Christianity. So a friend met with him, shared the gospel. He believed, was then baptized, uh, and then just immediately thereafter was kicked out of his home. He was cast out of his family because he became a Christian. Uh, so a friend and I and two national believers went and just picked him up one day, sat in the car, talked, prayed, trying to encourage him. A few days later, another uh, new believer, another believer guy was getting baptized. We all met on the beach. We did like an awesome little church service. Uh, he saw another guy be baptized. And then a few days later, he called and said, this is too hard. I can't do it. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm going back to my faith, to my religion. In about three weeks, we had met this guy. He had professed faith. He had been baptized. He had joined into a community of Christians and then went back. And the words that's used here in Mark 4 is that he had fallen away. And he had fallen away because of persecution. And persecution is real. And sadly, persecution often happens most from one's family. One author says that persecution can deepen the roots of a true Christian, but it only exposes the shallowness of the false Christian. Persecution happens all over the world. Persecution happens in Salt Lake City. And the goal is to draw someone out of, um, out of Christianity back to their religion. The next type of soil that Jesus teaches us about is in verses 18 and 19. This one, I think, maybe hits us a little bit closer to home. Maybe you have experience with that first type that I explained. Maybe the second, you know, a little bit about. This third one, though, seems a little less, like, a little less violent, a little less intense. There's no persecution. There's no Satan snatching it away. But it's going to, I think, sink into our hearts. And so Jesus says, verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. We all live in a fallen world. We're all very different people. One thing we have in common is that we live in a fallen world. Life's hard. It's stressful. Work is difficult. There's financial stress and sickness and cancer and death. And life is hard. And what happens is we respond to those things in life and we have an option to draw closer to Jesus or to step back because of those things. The cares of the world are real. But are the cares of the world keeping you from God or pushing you closer to Him? The deceitfulness of riches He talks about here. We know that. We know the teaching in the Bible is... is uh, there's multitudes of teaching about riches and wealth and maybe we struggle with generosity maybe we want to work too much or want those new things or just want money because it's ours and the deceitfulness of riches is real and it's something that draws us away and there's these desires for other things that jesus talks about and i know what they are in my life and my wife knows what they are and it's good to have friends and accountability people in your life to tell you what those are 
But these are the things that lead you astray. And so maybe you're reading these couple verses and you think, hey, that person right here, I think that they're probably a believer. They're maybe not a strong believer, but I think probably a believer. And I would, I would present to you, based on God's Word, that, that they're not. That in this passage, there's one uh, response of someone who follows Christ. And this third soil, this type of, of heart shows that they have become unfruitful. These tendencies, these pulling away from Jesus, this spot in our heart that Jesus is meant to fill and satisfy, we put other things in it, and those draw us away from Him. And when that happens, we don't produce fruit. And in John 15, Jesus talks about branches that don't bear fruit are to be chopped down and burned. And we cannot be unfruitful. So if you were to read uh, Peter's letters at the end there of the, old, at the New Testament, get to 2 Peter, and he gives this list of these beautiful qualities that all of the world would yes and amen, and they sound awesome. And he says that there's these godly qualities of faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness. And there's brotherly affection and there's love. And then he says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The same author from earlier that I quoted says, the proof of salvation is fruit. The proof of salvation is fruit, and not merely hearing the word or making a profession, but the proof of salvation is fruit. And the Christian life, friends, is not a one-time decision, and it's not only lived on Sunday morning. The Christian life is dying to yourself day to day. The Christian life is carrying your cross, is bearing fruit. It's being weak so that you can be strong in Christ. It's being foolish to the world so you can be wise in Christ. It's making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And then you have a group of disciple makers who want to plant a church. And then that church has people who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And then there's a group of people who says, hey, we should go plant a church there because there's no church there. And I, I hope that you're hearing the mission and the vision of Hope Church, but that it's driven by the Bible. And then you see this fourth soil. You meet a fourth soil person, and, and isn't it obvious? Like, that person is bearing fruit. And we strive to be this type of person. So in verse 20, Jesus says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Sometimes... Uh, when you share the gospel with someone, they will not accept on the first time. Wouldn't it be awesome if they did? We would just be like flying out of this room to share. It doesn't happen the first time. Sometimes that seed since dormant. Sometimes the seed you share takes a little bit of time to grow. And I have to remind myself often, um, and then just this passage is just convicting me too. But I have to remind myself that if I think about someone's like, story of coming to faith, and I think about it as like a chain. There's all these links in a chain, and they're linked together. And I just need to be okay to be one tiny little link in a chain. And other links in that chain are people praying, and they have a Bible, and they've come to church, and you know X, Y, and Z. But I need to be okay just to be one little link in that chain. 
A fourth soil person that I know is a friend named Ali. He uh, became a believer, became a follower of Jesus after turning away from his religion and his culture. His family rejected him. He was kicked out of his house. His dad would beat up on him. His dad broke his glasses one time just out of anger. Uh, after he was baptized, began to tell him, hey, brother, you, there's things that you now have to do as a Christian, and we know it's hard, and we can't put ourselves in your shoes because I've never been kicked out of my house for being a Christian. So he said, there's these things that we want you to begin to do. We want you to share your faith with your friends. And like a few days later, he called and said, hey, I did what you guys told me to do. I, I told my friend about Jesus, and he believed. Like, oh, my gosh, Ali, that's so awesome. So now Ali has a friend, and they were believers together, and they experienced persecution together, and their roots grew deeper. We would meet together and share together and buy meals and help him with lodging when we could. But as hard as it was, that is what God had placed him in to grow him. Before he was a believer, he said, I just want to leave this country because there's better opportunities in Europe and wherever else. And after he became a believer, he said, guys, I can't leave. If I left my little town, who would tell people here about Christ? And so his goal now is to uh, finish school, get a good job, have a house, so that he can then have church in his house. And he is sharing his faith and leading people to Christ. And he is bearing fruit, and he is an encouragement. So if we examine our life, what kind of fruit are we bearing? What kind of fruit are you bearing? might not be immediate, but there should be growth as a Christian. You should be growing more in 2020 than you were in 2010 or 2019. It should be a visible growth. Sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. Do the fruits of the Spirit characterize you? Love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Do you desire holiness? Are there sins that you used to indulge in and used to hide and now like they're repulsive and you've repented of them and every day you repent of them? Do you love the lost? Do you desire to see God's kingdom here? Do you want and need to take your next steps as a Christian? Do you want to come back to Hope Church next week? Do you need to be baptized? Do you want to lock arms with us at Hope Church and Make disciples and plant churches. Do you want today to place your trust in Christ and follow him? If you've not believed and come to a point where you call upon only Jesus for salvation, today can be the day. Don't leave here today if you know you're not right with God. We would love to talk to you. I think that this text can kind of turn into like a, a mirror for our heart. We can examine our heart and ask ourselves, which soil are we? Are you good soil? Are you bearing fruit? Are you thorny soil and there's things that are just competing for that space in your heart that only Jesus can fill? Remember, there's no such thing as an unfruitful Christian. Unfruitfulness is death. Are you like rocky soil and you once had a joy and now it's just scorched out and gone? Do you want to believe today and call upon Jesus? And I can't help but think of this whole other group of people, the like three billion people in the world who have not yet come to a point of following Christ or even hearing about Jesus. There's something like seven plus billion people in the world. One uh, like vocabulary word that's used sometimes is an unreached people group. 
Unreached people group means there's less than 2% of evangelical Christians among them. And so there's people groups all over the world that have less than 2% of followers of Christ among them. Three billion something people that don't follow Christ. Many of those who are in our city today. And uh, honestly, uh, our state, our town, would classify as an unreached people group. Less than 2% evangelical Christians. So we have much, much work to do. We have compassion partners through Hope Church in Zimbabwe and in uh, Central Asia. We still have friends in North Africa. We have friends all over the world who are sharing the gospel in hard places. And we are locking arms to do that here. And so, brothers and sisters, I just come to you today and uh, ask you to be sharing God's word. My three little points, like Pastor Ben's given us the last few weeks, are to sow boldly, to pray fervently, and to trust deeply. Sorry they don't rhyme or anything. I'm not near as smart as Ben. But to sow boldly, meaning that we share and God saves. And to pray fervently, that, meaning that we join God. We are not independent of Him in our work, in our evangelism. And that we trust deeply. And we trust that Jesus changes lives. If Jesus has changed your life, you have a story. And your story is a powerful way to share that gospel. And we trust that Jesus changes you. And he's changing you to grow. And that he's changing you to maybe believe today. I've seen God building his church across different parts of the world. I've read books about it. I've seen it. It's happening here. Hope Church is growing. God is building his kingdom. And my question for you today, guys, is will we join him? Will we join him as a church to see his church be built here and grow and his kingdom established here on earth? That's my question. Might we do it in his power? God, thank you that we can pray Thank you that we see you work. Thank you that you're building your church. God, help us to trust you and trust that your word works and that your word saves. And give us the uh, love to share that with others, first to my heart and then to my brothers and sisters here. We pray these things only in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.